You're listening to Beltway Beef, official commentary from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association's Washington, D.C. office. Welcome back to Beltway Beef. This is Ashley, joined by Ethan Lane, Vice President of Government Affairs at NCBA. Ethan, happy to have you back on the podcast. Always great to be invited. Thanks for having me. It seems like we say this every time, but it's been a busy month in Washington. Every year we are promised that August recess is going to give us a chance to catch up around here, and every year that promise is not fulfilled. Uh, We always see a bunch of activity. Part of that, I think, is because uh, once those members of Congress go home, it gives their staff a chance to catch up. So you kind of get a little bit of a residual carryover where they're getting work done. And we've had a lot of conversations in that regard. Um, But yeah, it was a busy month around here. So let's start with the news that came out over the weekend last weekend, BSE cases in Brazil. Give us an update on that. And, you know, can you just answer, is American beef safe? American beef is safe. Atypical BSE cases in Brazil. uh, This is something that happens every once in a while. Uh, The OIE and others have have been very clear that that these these cases sort of occur um, on their own. They're not indicative of an outbreak. Um, It's not something that is a threat that poses a threat to the supply chain. But we, we did put a statement out and we did go on the record there talking about this because, you know, there have been issues in the past with Brazil. Uh, They have had a problem consistently meeting those FSIS standards to import their product to the United States. They lost their access a few years ago, regained it during the Trump administration. Um, That that was at the result of a a pretty uh, extensive review process at at USDA um, to to let them back into the country. Um, So we always want to take the opportunity to just remind USDA uh, to stay vigilant because there is a history of slow reporting and kind of not, not meeting that standard and, and they need to make sure they're really being vigilant about about that enforcement particularly with countries like Brazil we know that they're up to that challenge they're doing that work every day we're we're certainly not saying that they're not but um, you know it's part of our job around here to make sure that we keep everybody honest we want to make sure that we flag that and, and uh, bumped it up to the top of the inbox great well appreciate the update on that I know there was some news about the that this week so just wanted to set the record straight um, for all those who who may be concerned or sure. tuned into that let's talk taxes taxes are, are it right now we are uh, we are into September um, we have to fund the government by the end of the month we still have these these two um, different bills that we've been talking about all summer the uh, nearly billion dollar infrastructure bill or excuse me nearly trillion dollar infrastructure bill and and the three and a half trillion dollar budget reconciliation package. So that's the hard infrastructure package, and then the um, I don't know what we're calling it this week: soft human infrastructure, infrastructure, human infrastructure. Um, the the everybody gets a pony act of 2021 is what we've been calling it around the office. Um, and the problem with that, obviously, is you have to pay for all that stuff, um, and that that comes on the back of a lot of other uh, big ticket, multi trillion dollar COVID relief packages that we've seen over the last couple of years. Some of which we've definitely benefited from in this industry, CFAP being being a beneficiary. Uh, you know, a lot of producers were, were given uh, resources they badly needed over the last 18 months through that program. Um, but it is time to really start thinking about when enough is enough. Um, our focus is really on the pay force and, and ensuring that as they look for ways to increase taxes on corporations and multinationals and things like that, um, and they follow this path that the Democratic Party's really been on of kind of if it looks wealthy, tax it, that we don't 
don't get mixed up in that equation. Family farms and ranches are not wealthy corporations. We know that most of our producers are operating in very land-rich and cash-poor cash poor businesses. Um, that's kind of the nature of the business that we're in. And so when we talk about things like the elimination of stepped-up basis, which has been uh, you know discussed quite a bit um, on Capitol Hill, or rolling back those estate tax uh, exemption levels to uh, uh, those previous levels of $5 million, or even the Bernie Sanders, Sanders model, which would roll it back into the $3 million range, those are really impactful moves that would be destructive to the U.S. cattle industry. It would be impossible if you put some of those provisions in place uh, to transition those operations to the next generation, 40% of which we know is going to happen in the next 15 years in our industry. So we're working really hard to educate on Capitol Hill. Um, we worked to put a letter together that went up to the Hill this week with more than 300 groups signed on, articulating just what a big deal this is for rural America to make sure Congress gets this right and doesn't put us in the crosshairs. You know, we're hearing from the administration and others that their intent is to keep agriculture out of the crosshairs here. The problem is a lot of the prop, uh, the proposals that we've heard from Secretary Vilsack and others, well-intended though they may be, just don't get anywhere near the range of what's needed to really protect this industry. Um, you know, he came out of the box earlier this year after the president's State of the Union speech um, and, and offered up something like two million, two and a half million in total for a, for a couple um, with a with a property in, in deferred gain or, or uh, uh, on the on the sale of a property or at transfer that that's not even in the ballpark of being enough to really be helpful for our producers. Um, so we're going to continue to ride really hard on this issue um, for the rest of this month. Um, we think that uh, most of the folks on Capitol Hill that we work with have clearly heard our message. Um, I keep saying this, but we're hearing we're hearing that message come back to us from members of Congress when we talk to them. They're concerned as well. They're tuned into this. We're hearing moderate Democrats stand up and say that they're not willing to put family farms and ranches in this position. Um, so that's good news. And we need to really kind of keep our foot on the gas here. We need our producers around the country to keep making this a priority when they have a chance to talk to their members of Congress. They have a chance to pick up the phone and call. Our state affiliates have been doing hard work on this as well. Um, this is an all hands on deck effort. You kind of touched on it a little bit, but, you know, we saw Vilsack come out once again and say that family farms <laughs> aren't going to be harmed in this. And we've seen some other big outlets say that, you know, ag is just complaining here, essentially. Right. A lot of those news articles came out this morning. So can you just dive a little deeper into why we can't put ag on an island and why this really is an approach to protect family-owned businesses. So that discrepancy between, you know, and it comes down to kind of the administration saying 98% of family farms and ranches won't be impacted because of carryover, right? And versus, uh, you know, a Texas A&M study and others also all saying, no, 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 98% of family farms and ranches will absolutely be impacted um, if we go down this road. Um, it's 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 really a difference in perspective, right? Um, and, and looking at the long-term viability of an operation, um, if you lose that if you lose that, lose that step up in basis and you lose that ability to allow valuations to keep up with the marketplace, if you lose the ability to ensure that at time of death, your family has the ability to continue operating that business without having to come out of pocket with 40% of the value of those assets, um, whether or not you're carrying forward um, you know, for or deferring that, that impact uh, for another couple years or, or whatever the case may be, whatever the administration is, is thinking that might look like, um, 
as far as the practical implications for a, for a producer that's already dealing with massive headwinds, a bad price environment, rising input costs, uh, you name it, uh, you know, push to be more sustainable all the time, um, needing to update technology, um, that, that's, just, that's just not feasible. Um, these, these tools have been in place for a long time for a reason, because it's the only way we've really been able to keep these large, unbroken land masses together that are so critically important to maintaining habitats for wildlife and open space and producing food to feed not just us, but folks around the world. All of the benefits that this industry provides are only possible because we have these protections in place that allow these businesses to continue generation over generation. You don't see that in other areas of the economy. It's it's unique. And we have to make sure that we don't do massive harm to that because there's this craze right now on Capitol Hill to just to just you know tax everything to death. And I think those are really important points to clarify there. And obviously we're gonna continue to beat this drum, you know, as much as we have to to help folks under understand that this is something they need to be paying attention to. Right. Moving on to the last thing we'll talk about today, there was a press briefing at the White House yesterday. Uh, Secretary Vilsack made his way over there to talk about consolidation and meatpacking. What are your thoughts? You know, I, I mean, I, it, it, look, we've heard this same message pretty consistently um, from the administration going back to the executive order that was signed by the president in July on competition um, that was really kind of a starter's pistol as we talked about on things like that review of product of the USA labeling, uh, the release the same day from uh, Secretary Secretary Vilsack of uh, $500 billion or million dollars, excuse me, um, in, in funds to expand processing capacity. Um, you know, this is really a continuation of that same effort. There wasn't a whole lot of new information yesterday. Uh, it, it felt to me like more of kind of a check-in. Um, they were just kind of keeping this thing at the top of everybody's inbox, making sure that they showed that they're still focusing on it. It's still important to them. Uh, the secretary had some pretty strong language on, on the Packers um, and, and, you know, his thoughts on, on their their control of the marketplace. Um, that's certainly something that's been a top priority conversation around NCBA and cattle country, as as uh, as everyone knows, for for quite some time now. Um, you know, I think that the administration is feeling like they need to make sure that that uh, folks know that they're still focused on that um, and looking for ways to uh, to to alleviate some of that pressure that producers are feeling. Um, we've had a good dialogue with them, both the White House and USDA, an ongoing dialogue. We know uh, that they're looking at a lot of these issues and trying to figure out a, a way forward that makes sense. Um, so we appreciate them keeping this uh, on their radar. There's a lot going on right now. Um, you know, there are a lot of other uh, conversations that I think the administration would like to stop having um, that we've all seen on the news. And this gives them something else to talk about that's maybe a little more positive um, that shows that they're trying to help some people. And I, I think there's probably some of that was was uh, a motivation for yesterday's press conference as well. But um, we're going to continue the dialogue with them and try to be helpful however we can uh, as they work through these issues. And, and we sure appreciate them paying attention to them. So for producers who are looking for kind of a timeline when they can start to see some action, I know you don't have a crystal ball where you can tell the future, although sometimes I feel like you wish you might. Um, <laughs> when do you think we'll start to see some real action on some of these issues? So all of the things that are being contemplated here are regulatory actions, really. You know, and Congress is, is doing their thing and they've got a lot of bills floating around. A lot of them we've helped them create and, and are, are advocating for, and that's an important part of the process too. But there's a lot of this that's 
just block and tackle regulatory work. It takes time. It takes a year or more uh, to go through that process of, of drafting uh, you know, draft rules and putting them out for public comment and evaluating those comments, talking to industry stakeholders, making sure that they get all the I's dotted and the T's crossed. And that's the process they're in now. They're doing that review of product of the USA labeling. Uh, they're looking at where to put that $500 million so that it'll have the maximum benefit in expanding um, some of that regional processing capacity uh, that's so badly needed in certain parts of the country. Um, they're, they're also, you know, obviously reviewing Packers and Stockyards enforcement and and looking for ways to strengthen that. Um, that's a conversation that obviously we've been involved in multiple times over the last few decades. Uh, the old Gypsa rule um, was was a, a pretty big fight that NCBA uh, really led the charge on to uh, to eliminate that rule. Um, you know, the, the standard that was put forward in the Trump administration for harm to competition um, is, is one that sort of is the basis for what they're looking at now. Um, so that too is, is gonna be a regulatory process that's gonna take some time to work its way through the system. Um, and, you know, it's been interesting to watch because the secretary, when he does talk about it, is pretty heavily focused on the poultry industry. You hear a lot about the tournament system, some of the challenges that they've had in in, in their uh, supply chain. Um, we've heard less detail on the beef side. Um, we're continuing our dialogue with them. It's my expectation that they're going to want to talk to producers, too, and hear from, from folks on the ground about how, um, how that system is working. Uh, you know, we don't want to do anything um, that disincentivizes innovation in the market. Place. And it's important that USDA keep in mind as they go through this process, and Secretary Vilsack has been through these, these wars before, it's important that, that he and his team remember that the goal here should not be and cannot be to guarantee equality of outcome. That's not how this system works. That's not how capitalism works. We need to make sure there's a fair playing field. We need to make sure nobody's getting an unfair advantage. We need to make sure there, there is a, a standard there that's, that's in place that's helpful. But what we can't do is strip away all of that. Um, and create an environment where you know you have litigation and, and, and challenges happening simply because one producer feels like uh, somebody else got a better deal. And, and that's, the, that's the slippery slope that we're kind of looking at here. Um, again, this is one of those issues where we're going to continue to aggressively engage with USDA, make sure that our, our opinions and our policy uh, passed by, uh, by, by all of the members of NCBA are, are well heard by the administration. I think that they are hearing those, those voices. So uh, we'll keep up the, uh, the work on that and keep everybody posted as that sort of evolves. But I would expect to see over the next few months some outreach from USDA to producers, really trying to get a sense of, of what the real story is. Great. Well, thanks so much for all those updates. Appreciate you being on the podcast. You bet. Great to talk to you. This has been another episode of Beltway Beef. Don't forget to check us out online at policy.ncba.org or catch the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, including SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. 